Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. You've got the home of the truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Josh Furlong does a heck of a job covering Utah football. He's an AP Top 25 voter. You can read him at ksl.com. He uh, handles the sports there and all things Utah. He's joining us now. Uh, you know, big games. This next two weeks for Utah, Josh, are going to be huge. How how are, How's the Utah fan base doing with this? Yeah, I think this is a, a great opportunity for them, and I think most people are kind of recognizing that, right? I think they... They understand this is probably their toughest stretch of the season, and if you can get past these two win or two games with wins, uh, that's going to go a long way to, to giving Utah kind of what they need to for uh, you know a repeat in the Pac-12 championship. The the is there a chance that Utah looks past UCLA to USC? I'm sure that's been talked about. What's your feel on that? Yeah, I, I don't think so this year. I mean, I think in years past, maybe I think UCLA wasn't maybe considered as much of a threat. Uh, this has been pretty lopsided the last few years in terms of, of Utah beating UCLA. Um, but this year, I you know, I don't think that's the case, right? I mean, I know USC is always that game that Utah prepares for. There's always kind of that hostility and, and, and excitement going into that game. But from my interactions with everybody up there on the hill this year, uh, this, this game doesn't feel like that. It, it feels like they do have their full attention. Uh, UCLA comes in, obviously, 5-0. and They've got a great team that's basically the same as last year with some additions, obviously Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who's, who's a phenomenal athlete and, and continues to develop under Chip Kelly. So, you know, from, from at least just what can I, what I can tell is, you know, the, the vibe for the team going into this game is, is all about the same. It's all about that same business that they expect and, and really trying to make sure that they, they focus on UCLA just like they would at USC, uh, knowing that these two games are going to be especially huge for them as they try to get to that that uh, top standing in the conference. I want to run a theory by you because I'm looking at Cam Rising this season, and he's really good. He's experienced. I really like him. I think he's one of the top three quarterbacks in the conference. But there's something about him that isn't quite what it was at the end of last season, and I can't put my finger on whether it's he just needs some more time. Has there been some personnel changes? Uh, is he pressing a little more? And I'm not really even talking about the Florida game. Just kind of in general, he's been really good, but not great. What am I seeing out there? Yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because I kind of have that same vibe that I get from him. Um, I think there's there's part of it where he's feeling confident and he feels like he knows what he's doing. But on the other hand, you're right, he is pressing it a little bit, right? He's trying to make plays. Um, and then most recently you take away his favorite target, the guy that is always a guarantee with Frank Keithy at the tight end spot, and now he's kind of forced to kind of figure out what he needs to do. Um, you know, I think in the offseason he was told, hey, we need to kind of develop our, our wide receivers, get the ball on the outside a little bit more. Obviously, you, you know, the team was using the middle a lot and, and really honing in on that, those tight ends. And so I don't know if it's one of those things where he's really trying to kind of go through his progressions and trying to – to develop as a quarterback and take it to the next level. And that's kind of maybe where we're seeing him um, maybe not have that same pizzazz as we saw last year. Now, with that being said, yeah, you're right. I mean, he is 
he is doing, you know, better, if not about the same as last year, but there just doesn't seem to be that same spark. Um, and I think maybe it's that. Maybe it's just trying to do too much, trying to, trying to put too much on his shoulders and not just letting the game come to him to some extent. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how it goes. I, I for one, think that, you know, he, he's got the right temperament to be able to do it. He's, he's got the right ability to be able to help Utah get where they need to go. But until they kind of get into an offensive rhythm, I, I agree with you that there's, there's still kind of this, this something missing that, that is, is from his game that we haven't seen yet, where he doesn't come into that game and he just exude confidence, right? And, and you just know, okay, Cam's going to go score on this play. So uh, just like you, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to kind of see how this develops, especially in a game like UCLA. Yeah, and I think last year Utah kind of went through a lull in the middle of the season too. It was about maybe about this point when you know they played Oregon State at Oregon State, didn't play their best football. But then after that game, they just turned it on. Do you have the sense that this team is ready to flip the switch? Do they have that feel to you? Uh, see, I don't, I don't know, right? Like, I don't, I don't get anything from them that necessarily speaks to me that, like, oh, this is a turning point, right? I think last week, to some extent, against Oregon State was a turning point. You saw a team that was, you know, battled through adversity. It wasn't going as well as they wanted. And they still managed to score 42 points when Oregon State's defense is doing a, a phenomenal job. So maybe maybe that was the turning point, but I I don't feel like I get that same vibe. And maybe a lot of that was is lost from last year with you know Aaron and Ty dying and and kind of rallying around that cause. And so now we're kind of seeing this a normal field of season. But I, I I'm with you. Like I don't I don't get something that that speaks to me that says okay Utah's now ready to turn a corner. I think they're speaking confident. I think they're developing and they're growing. But I don't know if they've quite flip that switch yet that says this is what it is. No, this game has to be it, right? Like, I think you have to be able to go into this and say, you know, this is this is where our season, you know, picks up. You can say that you have revenge games against San Diego State and Oregon State and all these other games, but this is where things matter, and you've got to be able to develop that. And if you can't flip a switch now, I don't know when you're going to do that. Maybe, you know, maybe if they lose this weekend, maybe that kind of kicks them into gear and, and does it that way. But um, I, I think it's more of just a gradual um, increase, a gradual uh, climb right now. So uh, I, I don't see anything that necessarily gives me confidence to say, oh, this is going to be a sudden switch. Josh Furlong with us, uh, KSL in Salt Lake City. The, you know, the coaching staff obviously is going to preach you know, one game at a time. I'm really looking forward to that USC game in two weeks just to see uh, you know, how good is USC? And I, I really like Utah in that game. Do you like Utah in this game with UCLA coming, you know, long week for them? They get an extra day of prep. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, fifth-year starter at quarterback. I mean, there's some scary things out there on UCLA's uh, side here. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's aspects of this game that, that should absolutely terrify Utah fans. Uh, just knowing what type of a player Dorian Thompson-Robinson is, and just his ability to be able to extend plays with the run and, and being able to develop as a passer. But I also see it on, on the flip side where there are opportunities here for Utah to grow. You know, UCLA's defense has improved, but their pass defense hasn't been as great as their run defense. And so, you know, if Utah can find some success in the passing game, maybe they find a way to be able to, to really develop that, and then maybe that relaxes the defense a bit and the run game can, can progress. Uh, all in all, you know, I think, I think Utah's defense is going to match up well with this team. I think Utah has their chances, but for me, like this is not one of those games where Utah can go in there and they can you know, lose the turnover battle and, and try to eke out a win at the end. I think Utah has to be on their top game and, and, and really come into the Rose Bowl thinking that you know they're the better team and, and play like it, right? They can't over pursue, they can't 
try to do too much in, in trying to contain DTR. They have to be able to keep him in, in the pocket as much as possible. They're not going to do it all the time, but keep him in the pocket as much as possible and really just try to win the little little wins in the game that they can and, and try to get out on top at the end. But but I think there there is some success here. Could I see UCLA winning 100%? Um, but I think that right now, as it stands, I think Utah has enough that they can they can get it done. It's just a matter of how, how well. The Utah run game, you know, Kyle Whittingham, I think, has talked a little bit about wanting to run the ball more. Do they have the back they like? Do they have the offensive line capable of doing that? What needs to change? I think it's a little bit of both, right? Like, I think the offensive line is not getting the push that, that Kyle would like. Um, they've been successful, and, and some of that is, you know, you saw an Oregon State team that did a phenomenal job of, of loading the box, bringing up the linebackers and closing the lanes and doing different things that way. So it's easy to look back on last week and say, you know, that, that Utah really struggled in the run game, and they did. But I, I think it's a combination of the offensive line as well as just finding Tavion Thomas, right? Tavion Thomas has been battling through some, some adversity off the field. Um, he's, you know, he's, he needs to be a little bit more accountable in the program, and that's what Kyle's trying to get him to do. Uh, he, he did have a death in his family of, of his aunt who basically raised him, so that's been really hard on him. He's taken it hard, and, and it's led to some off-the-field things that have kind of kept him from playing. So if he's able to progress, I think Utah's fine in the run game, right? Like, we've seen Tavion Thomas be able to develop. He's clearly the best running back in the room right now. If they can get him on the field for at least 30 touches, be able to do you know things with him in the backfield that will allow them to be able to be more diverse, I think that helps. They've got other guys behind him that are able to be successful, but you do lose that when you don't have him there. So, you know, for me, it's, it's, I don't know if we really have seen it yet just simply because Tavion has been out, and he, you know, he's only had like six carries last game. I think he only had about six carries the game before. So uh, that's, that's where it needs to progress, and I think this week they have to be able to find a way to do that, or else Utah's going to be in a lot of trouble. We're talking to Josh Furlong, KSL in Salt Lake City. Uh, Josh, let me, you know, look at the big picture for us a little bit. Which two teams do you think end up in Vegas at the end of this season? No no north-south division. They're just supposed to get the best two teams. What are we going to see here? Yeah, I've gone back and forth on this so many times, and I think you're seeing this conference, uh, it's so much deeper this year than we, we saw last year, where it just wasn't really that good. And so, like, there's, there's so many options that I can see. I can see Washington State getting there, though their path is a little bit harder. Um, I, I still think the top four teams are going to be the Utah, USC, UCLA, Oregon. And so whatever order that shakes out to, I wouldn't be surprised. But if you have to, like, make me pick today, I'd probably say it's Utah and USC. But, I mean, these next two games are going to be a big test for all three of those teams to be able to kind of figure out what's going on and, and everything there. Washington, I think they're close. I think they've done a lot of, of good, and, and you're seeing, obviously, with Michael Penick Jr., what they can do. But I just don't know if they're maybe in that same uh, level yet. But I mean, all you need to do is win the right games and not lose the bad ones, right? So uh, that's that's probably where I'd go right now. I know that's a, a pretty generic pick based on how the season looked at the beginning of the season, but uh, I still think there, there's a lot of optimism that those two teams are probably the ones that come out on top. I really appreciate you making time for us. I know you're headed out to the game, so I'm going to let you go, Josh. But you have a pick in this game. You give a score in this game. I think I called it. Uh, I got Utah by by eight in this game. The win by one score. How do you see it? Well, I, you know, I see Utah covering. I see this is a game where as long as Utah does play the game that you know we think that they can play, I think they're the better team. 
And so for that reason, I have them as a seven-point win. I put it somewhere like a 34-27 type win for, for Utah. There it is. That's about how I see it. Josh Furlong, KSL, I'll see you down the road, man. Thank you. Yeah, sounds good. There he is. Utah, UCLA. Second biggest game of the weekend, I think, or the first. Washington State playing USC is the other. I think it's really an interesting discussion on which of the teams in the L.A. is going to be the better team. The UCLA fans are now coming out of the woodwork going, hey, where's our respect? We think we're the best team in the conference. I also think, you know, I think that when you look at the conference right now, today, we have Utah, UCLA, USC, Oregon, who I think are the four best teams. But I think we might be able to eliminate one or two of those teams, uh, you know, come Saturday night. And I think UCLA might be the pretender in that group. I also think Utah is going to boat race USC, but we're a week away from that. We'll talk about that when it's time to talk about that. Leave it here, our big splash, coming up next. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Friday. It's a beautiful day. I know it's supposed to be fall or whatever. Gorgeous outside. Uh, Mariners up 4-0 in the top of the ninth in game one of the American League wild card. There goes that pitching uh, as the Mariners keep it going. I think America getting to know them a little bit. Meanwhile, uh, a couple other stories that are out there. The NFL Players Association has agreed to some concussion protocol changes. This all coming out, I think, of the uh, Tua incident and the Miami Dolphins. Teams seem to be uh, more tuned into that. Tua is not traveling this week with the Dolphins. They were very quick to uh, rule him out. Uh, also, um, you got uh, 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 the Warriors investigating the video leak of what, what news entities are calling a scuffle. That's not a scuffle. What would you guys... How would you guys classify what Draymond Green did to Jordan Poole? Cheap shot. Sucker punch. Yeah. The scuffle. That's not a fight. Like, to me, a scuffle is two people involved. I always, you know, cringe when I see that. People say it was a fight. It was not a fight. Jordan Poole pushed him. But Draymond, there was only one guy throwing punches. Yeah, Poole would have had to have his hands up to be a fight. He pushed him and then put his hands down. He wasn't looking to fight. He was just looking to get Draymond off him. Yeah. Get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. He was actually looking away, kind of, until until he pushed him, and then Draymond came with that straight right. But the Warriors are looking into the video leak, trying to figure out who had access to the video and whatnot. Of course, this brings us uh, to our big splash. It's the one thing that you need to know. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. Well, a Pitt basketball player has been charged with assault. That's right. Basketball player Dior Johnson, who, by the way, the University of Oregon was hot after. Uh, Looks like the Ducks dodged a bullet. Has been charged with aggravated and simple assault, unlawful restraint, false imprisonment, strangulation, there was an incident that happened in September. Um, he is charged with assaulting a woman at an apartment. Apparently, uh, he became angry with the woman for getting his phone wet. He slapped her across the face, 
and uh, then went after her and then came back at 4 a.m. And uh, he took her phone, by the way, and then gave her phone back at 4 a.m. So there it is. A uh, woman said she was hit multiple times, and uh, he was uh, apparently uh, not, uh, not listening and not following the law, and he has now been charged with assault. There are a lot of Duck fans out there who were on Twitter saying, gosh, we uh, dodged a bullet there as uh, pit guard Dior Johnson, not Oregon guard Dior Johnson, has the assault. But for uh, people who remember... Dior at the University of Oregon and in a Oregon uniform. There, uh, there are a lot of people who are uh, looking at um, the the program as dodging a bullet today. So there you go. Sometimes it's the guy you don't get, and rather than the die the guy you do get that makes your program. That's I guess the big splash today. Six six two zero five. Now he's a problem for Pitt. Not a problem for Dana Altman in the University of Oregon. Gosh, you got as a coach, you got you got to look at that. If you're Dana Altman, you got to go. You know what? He committed to us, and now he's Pitt's problem. That's okay. So there you go. What do you guys make of that? Yeah, it would be tough as a coach because I mean, again, it goes back to being kind of fake and phony to these coaches and the players and the media. Like you don't know who these people actually are. So like when Dana Altman's recruiting this guy. He doesn't know that he's going to be a guy that you know beats up women. Like we don't know that, and so yeah, I mean, he's got to feel feel lucky and count his lucky stars that uh, he didn't end up going to Oregon, and he's not his problem right now. Yeah, and, and but when you Google Dior, you know Johnson, he you know you see all the commitment and the photos of him in an Oregon uniform, but he goes down like he also he also committed to Syracuse, and then decommitted, then committed to Oregon, and then committed to Pitt. And you look at his high school, he played for nine different high schools. Nine, including IMG Academy, Finlay Prep, Fairfax, Mayfair, Oak Hill, uh, Prolific Prep, Centennial, Southern California Academy. You know, he, he went from New York to Florida to Nevada to, Cal- to L.A. to Lakewood to Virginia. This is high school career. Is that a problem? No, he played for 10 high schools in five states. That's a major red flag. I can understand you. It, maybe it doesn't work one place. I guess, depending on what you tell me, maybe it doesn't work at two places. Uh, when you're talking double digits, you're the problem. It shows, it shows that when you are talented, how many chances people are willing Ugh. to give you, which is so disgusting. Felony domestic abuse charges. He's not been arrested, but he has been charged. So uh, there you go. That's or he faces serious charges. All right, coming up, we're going to play some punch and audio. John Wilner will join us in the five o'clock hour. We'll play uh, "What's Your Peeve" also next hour as well. If you're somebody who is got something burning on your mind, but up next we will catch you up on everything going on in sports from Major League Baseball to the NFL. If you've been in a coma, the next fifteen minutes of radio will make it not matter. Basically, we'll catch you all the way up. I appreciate that you're here on this great Friday. Beautiful day outside. Man, I looked around today at about 2 o'clock, and I was like, man, it is gorgeous. I will take this. If you're somebody who loves the cold, misty, rainy Oregon falls and winters, I'm sorry. Uh, Don't at me. I rather enjoy uh, the extension of summer. I enjoy a long spring. Maybe I'm just different. But Punch It Audio is next. You got the bald-faced truth statewide on the BFT Radio Network. (laughs) 
We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth to interrupt Truth. the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.